in a, uh, a core value series. If this is your first time, I want to welcome you. My name is Pastor Chris, and um, we are in a core value series. Where we're talking about um, five things that we highly value as a church. Not, it's not like an extensive, but these are five things that kind of rose to the surface as we were just really seeking the Lord and asking Him um, as what those core values would be. They all come from Scripture, and um, we started in week number one, looking at that we want to be an authentic uh, community of believers who live by faith. And we used that week, we used um, a mustard seed and we're reminded that it's not about how much faith you have, but it's about what kind of faith that you actually have, that we are challenged um, to, that God can do, it's coming to this place where we believe that God can do the impossible. And then last week we talked about loving, uh, loving your neighbor. And, uh, and one of the questions that we, that we used was we used a little card like this and it said, who is your neighbor? Now, did all you guys get to know your neighbors? Like three of you. All right, good. Well, then I guess we got some work to do. Were you able to fill out the card? All right, all right. We'll keep working on that. Keep loving on your neighbor. Not because you just want to be a nice person, but because Jesus tells us to. Um, and then this week, we're actually looking at this whole idea, um, or not idea, this biblical uh, thing that God calls us to is pray continually. Pray continually. So that's the core value that because we want to be church that puts high value in the area of prayer in our own person, not only in our own personal lives, but also in the life of the church. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but how many of you guys wasted a ton of time yesterday watching football? No, like all the guys are like, no, I'm not going to admit to that. <laughs> and so I did. I sat around from uh, pretty early uh, in the morning, like game day. Anybody watch game day? I got to know the predictions, right? Come on. What do you people do on Saturdays, right? And so watched the, watched the games and uh, got to the middle of the, well, started like lunchtime and uh, Florida State Clemson. Any Florida State Clemson fans? All right. Like three, four. Amy, that's all you're going to do is, all right. I mean, I can't believe she doesn't have orange on underneath her shirt, all right? Um, and, and then there was the uh, Colorado-Oregon game. Colorado-Oregon? Nobody? All right. Any Colorado bandwagoners? Because you're going to be a bandwagoner if you're cheering for Colorado at this point, right? Prime time. Um, I like the dude, but I don't like his arrogance. All right. Um, and they got stomped. And so... And then there was, let's see, later on in the, then later on the evening, there was, uh, there was, uh, let's see, there was Penn State and Iowa. Any Penn State, Iowa fans? Okay. What, who are you for? Penn State. Okay. I got you. And I think we have one Iowa fan. Any more Iowa? Uh, uh, what does that mean? Like, I'm, that's not a fan. That's not a fan. All right. And then there was the, uh, uh, the you know, the most important game of the day, Carolina-Pittsburgh, right? Yeah. Pittsburgh fans? Tracy, you live in North Carolina now. You can't be a Pittsburgh fan anymore. All right, all right, all right. And then, and then there's the one that I think we ought to talk about just a little bit is the um, Ohio State-Notre Dame game. I hear you, I hear you, all right. Ohio people? Yeah. 
Okay, a few of you, a few, a few of you. And then uh, Indiana, North, South Bend. Yeah, Pastor Chris, our new youth pastor. He's a Notre Dame fan. Well, anyway, let me get to the point. Um, and so I was watching that game. I don't know if, if you were watching. You probably weren't following that game because none of you wasted your time playing, watching football yesterday. And so at the end of the game, came down just a few seconds left on the game, Ohio State, uh, 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 Notre Dame. And uh, there's just a few seconds left in the game. Uh, Ohio State is down by like three points, I believe. And they're at the goal line. They're, they're like one yard from the goal. Um, Notre Dame's lined up. Only a few seconds left in the game. Game, you know, they start to crowd in because they know what's getting ready to happen, right? I mean, you know that they're getting ready to run this play where they're going to try and just shove everybody from the team into the goal and hope that the ball makes it because that's what they do at the end of the game, right? And so, so you know, they get, they get there. They get on the yard line. I, I believe that Notre Dame was the better team. But at the end of the game, Ohio State was there, had the ball, and they were, they were getting ready. A few seconds left. They snap the ball, and, and, and the quarterback gets it, and they shove everybody in. They score a touchdown. Ohio State goes crazy. You know, they're at Notre Dame, so they're, they're, they're away, but they're going crazy. The quarterback, he's running around, ah, you know, and, and all the other guys are running around. They're cheering, and then the whole Notre Dame, you know, stadium is just like stunned. It's like quiet. But what I love is that those few people who were a part of the Ohio State group, man, they were all in it. They were, they were cheering. They were excited. And I think sometimes we ought to do that in the church. I, th I think sometimes we get more excited about sports and about money and about other things than we do about coming to church. What's really cool is as we start talking about prayer, about praying continually and what that means, I'll get to that in a minute, and I'm going to fire hose you with Acts chapter 4, okay? Acts chapter 4, because then I'm going to ask you to do something at the end of the service. And so what we started doing is we started collecting some things where we saw God at working, like God answering prayer. And I don't know if you guys, you guys know it, but God's still answering prayer, He's still moving. He's still working. He's still doing things. And maybe you've been praying and maybe you feel like he hasn't done what you've been asking him for, but that doesn't mean he's not working. That he has been, he has been answering prayer. And, and what I love about that is that we can be sure and know that regardless of how we're going about it, we know that God's doing his thing. That he's still working and he's still moving and we just have to come to this place in, in, in our life where we trust him. That even if it is the only thing that he ever did was to send his son Jesus to die on the cross, that truly was enough. Come to this place of contentment where we're, whatever it is, whatever season it is that God has us in, we're okay with that. No matter how much money we have or how little money we have or how many friends we have or how many friends we don't have or how much our job sucks or how much whatever our family's disjointed, that we have to come to this place where we're really going to trust God regardless of the situation. And that's where I believe that the, the things begin to change because we begin to see God in a different light. We begin to see him with a different purpose. I, I love this. I got it. We actually got a couple of uh, prayer requests that were emailed to us, and, and I love this. I just wanted to read to you. The first one is by Eric. It said, God has answered many prayers in my life. A most recent prayer that has been answered is that he has blessed my, my wife 
and I with an opportunity to have and to raise one of his beautiful children and make another disciple and follower of Christ. We we recently went through a miscarriage, and it was very hard as we have three children with, with three healthy pregnancies and have never had to endure that pain. Though this time we kept our faith in Christ and we prayed and we prayed. I prayed that we would be blessed with another baby and his, and his, on his time. If it, if it was his will, we recently found out that my wife is pregnant again. Uh, yeah, right. We cheer ball games. And that means nothing. You know? I think about how I act at a ball game. We were, we were blessed with the opportunity to have another baby, not by chance, not by chance, but by his will. We found out that the Sunday after service where the message was about faith. The message was about faith. It's not how much faith you have, but what kind of faith. Steps leading up to us finding out that that morning my wife wore her faith can move mountains shirt. Do you hear that? You hear that? On the way to church, it's partly cloudy, beautiful Sunday morning, and I point out a rainbow up ahead in deep, bright, white clouds. Now, the rainbow means God's promises and nothing else. Just being honest. The message during service just spoke to us, and we felt the presence of God. And after service at home, my wife comes out and references the mustard seed and says, it takes a mustard seed size of faith, right? Confused at what she was getting at, I say yes. And she pulls out her pregnancy test from her pocket, and it shows, yes, the sign that she is pregnant. Just love that. Awesome answer prayer. Another one, this Devin. He says, I was struck, I was struck, I was stuck at a dead-end night shift job working 12-hour shifts for a little over two years. I was hardly ever spending time with my wife and kids and sometimes forced to work 84 hours a week. I finally decided to turn to Jesus and accept him into my life. I reached out to Crosswind's prayer team and within weeks, a new job opened up. I finally, listen, God didn't just open up a job. I finally work day shift again, and I have the weekends off, and I get to see my kids and my wife and spend quality time together. God did that. And, and, and just like the football thing, that makes me want to jump up and run around and like yell, yell and scream because that means so much more. Then what a stupid ball going over the end line and scoring a touchdown means. It's so much more. It's a much bigger touchdown when it comes to people's lives. But what we can know to be true, listen to me, listen to me, because I know that we, there are times in our life we're like, God, what are you doing? Are you even doing anything? And it's very normal. It's very normal to feel that way. 
It's very normal to be in a season where you're just not sure what God's doing. You have a really hard time seeing it, but it doesn't mean that you can't continue to persevere and continue to pray continually through those things and continue just to seek God. Because in most situations, when that happens, when people struggle to see God, hear God, feel God, then in those times is when most of the time they abandon him. And here's what I'll say about that, is that this, is that if you have grown up in the church, if you grew up in the church, there are a lot of times where the church just says, if you just do this, and you just do that, and you just do this, and you just do that, and there have been a lot, there have been a generation of kids, and even adults now, who grew up in the church, and then when they got to adults, they really didn't know what it meant to have a relationship with Jesus, because the only thing they've done is gone through a bunch of rituals. Prayer is not a ritual. It's a relationship. It's the opportunity that we have to have a relationship with Jesus. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. This core value comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. Paul was talking to the church in Thessalonica, and what he was beginning to help them understand is that they were walking through some pretty difficult, they were walking through some pretty difficult things, but he was wanting to help them understand that although they were walking through difficult things, these were the things that they still needed to add to their faith. They still needed to live by faith. They still needed to love the people around them. But they also needed to rejoice always. They needed to rejoice no matter what we're walking through, no matter what the circumstances is, no matter how, life, how much life seems to suck. We need to come to this place where we can be okay with where God has us because we're okay with God. And we're okay with where he has us. We're okay with who he is and begin to understand that and rejoice in those moments and find moments of, of rejoicing in the most difficult situations. It doesn't mean you can't cry. It doesn't mean you can't be sad. It doesn't mean that you can't hurt, but it means that you can rejoice in the midst of the hurt, in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the suffering. You're still able to know that God is good and he is sovereign and he is loving and he is caring and he's still doing the best for us. It says rejoice always. It says pray. Pray continually. Pray continually. It means don't stop. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And here's what, I, here's the thing I wrote about that that I just want you guys to understand when we talk about pray continually is this. Live each day in conversation with God. And why are we living each day in conversation with God? Because we're living, preparing for what's to come. Not for now. Not for what now. We get too caught up in what's going on right now. We get too caught up in our circumstances, our situation. Why don't I have this? And why don't I have that? And why do they have this? And too many times we get sucked into the culture of the world. And what God is saying, man, walk in conversation with him every single day. Do I think you should have a specific time as set apart for you to get into the word and to pray and to talk to Jesus? Absolutely. But it needs to be a conversation throughout the day when you get done talking to him in the morning. You're not done talking to him. That's just the beginning. It's this constant conversation. But here's the thing. You will not have the constant conversation with Jesus until he becomes the priority. Until he becomes the priority, until he becomes the most important thing in your life. And the reality of it is for a lot of people, he's just not a priority. 
People who don't make church a priority most likely aren't making God a priority. People who aren't making the word a priority, they're probably not making God a priority. And so it's an understanding that we have been called, as Jesus said in in Mark and in Matthew, he said, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God, not like seek second, not seek third, but the most important thing you can do is seek him first. And that becomes the most important thing so that when you go into your job, you're going in seeking the Lord. When you go into Walmart, you're going in seeking the Lord. When you get home, you're seeking the Lord. When you're in conversation, you're seeking the Lord. And so it's a constant conversation that never ends. But sometimes we like get in the morning, we get up, we say, you know, Jesus helped my food not to make me fat. (laughs) Have you ever wondered why we bless the food? (laughs) Jesus turned this food, this cheeseburger, into something really healthy for me. (laughs) That's essentially what we're saying, right? If we're not careful, or, or at night before we go to bed, you know? Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before I wait. And so many times we just go through the motions of those kind of things. And the sad part is for how long have we taught our kids that? And so all they, all they know that to be is a ritual. I'm supposed to do that. We have, we, we, we've, 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 we've guided them toward repeats instead of relationship. And so live, live, each, live each day in conversation with God, not just because you desire, not because you have this desire, this passion, because that's what's got to grow in each and every one of us. This desire, this passion, this, this boldness that we want to be in the presence of God, not just on Sunday morning. Like every, every, throughout our day, God, we want to be in your presence. We want to walk in your presence. We want to eat in your presence. We want to watch football in your presence. We want to do everything that we possibly can. We want to do it in your presence. Because what we're doing is we're preparing our hearts and we're preparing our minds. We're staying in tune with what he's doing so that we don't miss the things that he's answering. We don't miss the things that he's doing in our life. We're ready. We're prepared. If God says, hey, I want you to talk to that person. I want you to go to your neighbor. I want you to take something over there. I want you to do this. I want you to do that. We're preparing. But we're not only preparing for when God speaks and for us to move, but we're preparing for one day he's coming back. And so we're living in this conversation because when my time comes, I would prefer that I'm having a conversation with God when he returns. When he sends his son Jesus back, I prefer that I'm actually in a place where I'm having a conversation with him. Oh, wow, there's Jesus. Cool. (laughs) I was just talking to you, Jesus. He's like, yeah, I know. And so now turn to Acts chapter four. This is the fire hose part, all right? Um, so um, in the book of Acts Jesus has, gone, Jesus has died he's risen again 
Uh, he came back to life. He showed himself to, over the course of 40 days, he showed himself to the believers. And in Acts chapter 1-8, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Um, they go through a time where they pray because they're having to replace Judas. Remember Judas, um, he, he sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. He betrayed Jesus, sold him for 30 pieces of silver. He went out and killed himself and now they've got to replace Judas as one of the disciples. So they actually went to a time of prayer how often do we pray about the things that we need? Right? I, I actually wrote a little thing down on my, my whiteboard in there by my office. And it says, are you praying about the decisions that you're making? Because I think too many times we make decisions without first asking God. And if we're not careful, sometimes those can be insignificant. They can seem like insignificant issues or decisions. But guess what? God cares about every decision. And then, and then the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost in, in Acts chapter 2. Peter gets up and he talks to the crowd. At one point, there's like 3,000 people who come to Christ in this one moment. Um, and then they come and the, the believers are, are working together in Acts, at the end of Acts chapter 2. We'll talk about that in just a minute. And then in Acts chapter 3, um, Peter uh, and John, they heal this um, lame man. And then they're arrested and taken before the Sanhedrin. And so what's happening is while they were in the Sanhedrin, they actually began to tell the people, they began to tell the government officials, the Sanhedrin, hey guys, this is what we did. We didn't do it through our own strength, but we did it because of what Jesus gave us and who Jesus is. That's how this man got healed. It's not us. And they begin to go into, Peter begins to go into this long sermon about who Jesus is and, and, and the fact that they have rejected the very one who came to save us. And it's really interesting because as they were before the Sanhedrin, the Sanhedrin said, well, we can't, there's nothing that we can do to accuse them. We can't find anything to accuse them of. And so they let Peter and John go. And what I love is, and that's where we're at in Acts chapter 4, um, verse 23. It says, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and they reported all that the chief priest and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together. They raised their voices together in prayer to God. So they've just been let out of prison. They were preaching. 3,000 people come to Christ. The Sanhedrin, religious rulers come. They arrest them, take them to prison. While they're in prison, they talk to them about why they, you know, what they're doing. They say, well, we can't, don't have anything. So they release them. And the very thing they go back to is they go back to their own people. And they say, hey, guys, let's pray. Let's pray together. And it says, they raised their voices together in prayer. And they said this, sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. 
Now, Lord, consider their, threat, their threats and enable your servant to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand and heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and all they, and they all and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Now, here's what I want to give you this morning, just real quick in just a couple of minutes, because we don't have very long. But the first thing I want to tell you is this, is that they prayed together in unity. Their hearts were headed in the same direction. They had the same purpose. This was the church coming together after Jesus has just ascended. And they've seen him go, in, go into heaven. He's told them, you're going to be my witnesses. And their, their responsibility and understanding was that they did it together. And they did it in unity. And I, I, I believe that's one problem in the church is that so often we are disunified. The enemy's trying to do everything that he can to divide the church. And I, it's my desire and my goal and my hope and dream that this is a church that cares about the things that really matter. It cares about the biblical things. And here's what I wrote as a response to that. A church that genuinely prays together walks in unity. It doesn't mean that we'll have all the same ideas. It doesn't mean that we'll have all the same thoughts. It doesn't mean that we'll like all the same things, but we have one purpose. We say that's our purpose. Our purpose is Jesus, and we want to run at him with everything that we possibly can. You're not going to like everything that I do. You're not going to like everything that I say. And guess what? If you go to another church, you're not going to like them either. It's just the reality of it. And sometimes it's not the church's problem, you're the problem. Because our problems seem to follow us. <laughs> if this is your first Sunday here, <laughs> if this is your first Sunday here, we love you. And, and, and I realize that you may be trying to figure things out, and I'm all good with that. Uh, but as you will find that sometimes things come out of my mouth, one that are truth, hopefully are truth, but help us to begin to really look inwardly at ourselves. And so I hope that you take that because uh, I do care about you. And if this is not the church for you, I believe there is a good church for you. Um, in, in Acts chapter 2, and I mentioned this a minute ago, at the latter part of Acts chapter 2, it says that, the, that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, which means then they didn't, have, they didn't have the word, but the apostles taught it to them. But now we have the word of God. So essentially the translation for us this day is that we are to be devoted to the word of God. That's where we find our purpose, our meaning, our instruction manual. That's what helps us walk through this life. Um, they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching, to breaking of bread and to prayer, and everyone was filled with awe and at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers together were together and had everything in common. And so we see a group of people who were unified for the same purpose. Second thing is this, they reminded themselves who they were praying to. They reminded themselves who they were praying to. You remember it says that they came in and they began to pray together. And what were the first words out of their, out of their mouth? Sovereign Lord, 
God of heaven, God of earth, God of the seas, God of the sky. They put their, their prayers into perspective knowing that he is the God who created everything. And if he is the God who can create everything, then by golly, he can answer your prayer. If he can do that, he can definitely put anything that you're praying about. He can also answer that, but also know that he's going to answer it in the way that's best for you, not the way that you think that it should be answered, not the way that you think it's best for you. So they reminded themselves of, of who they were actually praying for. How often when you start praying, you say, God, thank you. You're the God of heaven. You're the, you're the God of the earth. You're, you're the God of the skies. You're the God, God of, the, of the seas. And, and because that begins to put everything in perspective and remind us that God can do anything. He can do the impossible. Reminded them. And so my response to that is a church that constantly remembers who God is walks in faith. It walks in faith. It allows us to be a church that walks in faith, that we're going to trust that whatever God's doing, that that's what we want to be a part of, right? Wherever God is moving, that's where we want to be. Right. A church can go their own direction if they so desire, but not here. The, the third thing is this, they prayed through their circumstances. They just come out of prison. They just came out of prison. And they're praying through their circumstances. They're praying through their difficulties. They're praying through their hardships. How often when we get into the middle of those difficult times, do we just stop? Maybe we get tired. We feel like it's not doing anything. And what I love about that is Peter and John came right out of prison. And they went right. That was the first thing they went. Hey, guys, come together. Let's begin to pray. God of heaven, God of earth, God of sky, God of sea. Thank you for who you are. A church that genuinely prays sees their challenges as opportunities. A prayer that pray, that genuinely prays, sees their challenges as opportunities. Fourth thing is this, is that they use Scripture to pray the promises of God. They use the Scripture to pray the promises of God. How often do you take the Word of God and actually use it as your prayer instead of praying your own words? Go to the Psalms. Go to the Proverbs. You're like, Pastor Chris, where do you see this? Okay, so in, in chapter 4, it says, verse 25, it says, You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. It says, You spoke through the Holy Spirit. Okay, they weren't repeating David's words. David's, David penned... Why do the nations rage? Why do the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up. The rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Yes, David said it, but he said it through the power of the Holy Spirit. So essentially what that meant is it came from God himself. And so if we want to pray the very words of God, then we need to go to the Bible and we need to open up the Bible and pray the very words of God. They prayed through the promises of God. A church that genuinely prays uses the scripture as its authority. Nothing else. The scripture is our authority that we stand on for every single thing. Last thing is this. They prayed that their lives would make a difference. They prayed that their lives would make a difference. He said, 
Now, Lord, consider the threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand and heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. They pray that their lives would make a difference. A church that genuinely prays advances the gospel. It advances the gospel. This is not a country club. We're not here to be consumers. We're here to ask the Lord, Lord, would you use us? And what's really interesting about this is I was studying this. It said this, even into that God would even send us into difficult places. (laughs) You see, they were praying and they knew, Peter and John knew that they were going to be praying in such a way that what God, how God was going to answer their prayer, that God was actually going to send them into more difficult places and more challenges and more opportunities. But they prayed that the one thing that they would be known for is that their lives would make a difference and that they would speak the word of God boldly and unashamedly. And I believe, Michael, you guys can go ahead, come on out. I believe that if we will begin to learn the art of praying continuously. Some versions say pray without ceasing. It means we put our, our, we put our place in an attitude, we put our heart and our mind and our soul in an attitude of prayer. As, as Matthew and Luke both say, where Jesus said, seek first his kingdom and all these things will be added unto you. We make the very most important thing. If we're going to pray continuously, if we're going to be people of prayer, if we're going to be a church of prayer and, and do the very things that God asks us to do, to be praying continually then we set our hearts on the things that really matter and when you go to work you're praying while you're at work and when you're driving in the car you're praying for that person who just cut you off (laughs) at the diverging diamond (laughs) you're praying at home you're praying for your kids You're praying for that son or daughter. You're praying for that neighbor. You're praying for that boss. You're praying for that wife that you're at the end of your rope and you're not sure you're going to make it. You pray. You pray for that husband. And I'm going to go even as far to say you pray for that ex-husband, that ex-wife, that ex-boss. Because when you stand before God, we'll have to give the account for the things that we have made really important in our life. You pray for that adult kid who just seems to be caught up in the structures of the world and you just think they're never going to change if you have felt that way then what you've done is you've put God in a box 
And we know to be true that God can do the impossible. What are you praying about? Take out your card. What are you praying about? What have you stopped praying about? What are you going to start praying about? Here's, here's what I love. Listen, listen, listen. Here's what I love. Is that when they came to this time, and I didn't, I read the scripture, but I didn't finish it. It says, when they got done, as they were praying, the place was shaken. Some believe it could have been a little bit of an earthquake. Some believe that it could have been just God shook that room where the disciples were in that moment. But what I believe is that God was showing evidence that He was there and that He was listening and that He was hearing. And what I love is that we don't have the walls don't have to shake. The ground doesn't have to shake because we already know because God created the heavens and He created the earth and He created the seas and He created the skies. We already know that He's here and we know that He's here because we can see what He is doing. And God wants to do something in you. He wants to do something through you. He wants to do something for you. If you'll just make Him a priority and trust Him. Let's pray. What do you need to write on your piece of paper? I want you to take a moment right now. I want you to write down. What is it that you want to start to pray for, that you are praying for, that you want to re-engage in praying for because you've stopped? Write that down on on a piece of paper. This, this past week, uh, uh, God brought this to my attention. And he said these simple words to me. I will do it. I will do it. And maybe you need to hear that this morning, that God's going to do it. We don't use God like a vending machine. Put our quarter in and get it out. We, we don't use our prayer life as a ritual. We use it as part of our relationship. His word says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. 
But I believe God wants to do something in you. He he first wants to do something in you. And second, he wants to do something through you. And I believe that through that, he'll do something for you. God, I pray for every single one of these cards. God, every single prayer. Every single thought. Every single emotion. Every single feeling right now. And God, I pray that you would challenge our prayer lives today. And that we would learn what it means to pray continually. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Here's what I want you to do. We're going to sing a song, His Mercies Are New. And while you're singing, we've created a prayer wall. And you can see, we already got a bunch of prayers over there. That was first service. And what I would love for you to do is that whatever it is that you're, you've written down this card, if you would like, I'd love for you to come over here and I'd love you to stick it up on that wall. And over the course of the next three weeks, I'd love for you just to be praying for the prayer. Pray for the things that are happening there. Pray for whatever, not you can pray for your thing, but pray for the other things that people may have listed on there. And if by chance God answers that prayer over the next three weeks, what I'd love for you to do is I'd love for you to take that little card and I'd love for you to come up here and put it in the already answered bucket. But use this as an opportunity to commit these things to the Lord. God, this is what I'm praying about and trusting you for. And so what I'm going to ask you to do, if you want to do that, if you're on this side of the auditorium, I'd ask you to just come down that, that aisle and walk right here in front. And if you're on this side, if you guys will come down this aisle and walk to the front, there's some sticky things right here. And I'm going to ask you to stick it on that thing. And then I'm going to ask you to walk the outside of the perimeter and go back to your seat as we worship together. So let's stand and let's worship together. And if you'd like to stick your prayer up on the prayer wall, would you do that?